Welcome to Nintendo Main, episode 20. Uh, we are your hosts, Trey and... Hey, what's up? It's Jeremy Mikowski. And this is our 20th episode. It's the big 2-0. We made it uh, to that, I guess. I mean, that's, I guess, more celebrating would be like 5-0, but, you know, we're getting there. How is, uh, how is your 20. week? 20 is quite a bit. We're almost, uh, we're almost to a whole day, right? We are. We're almost to a whole day. As far as total runtime, we're probably over a day right now, so that's okay. I think it's like I think it's like twenty one hours, but it's close. I mean, we're getting there. Getting there. <laughs> I don't think you listen to it for a whole day, but you know, you never know. You could. You could. How is really how has your week been uh, for gaming wise? It's been pretty good. I've actually been playing a lot of Twilight Princess Picross. Oh, you did end up getting that. Yeah, I got that instead of Wario. I uh, I don't know. I really like Picross games. And it was really only available that way. I know it's the same with the Wario game. I know, but. I wanted the I wanted the Picross game. It's pretty fun so far. I mean, it it is what it is, but Midna's in it. That's cool. Oh sure. I mean, how is it like a full game? Like, does it feel limited at all, or is it? Do you seem like it's? I don't know. Like, how many puzzles do you think are in there? Or you probably haven't seen all of them yet, right? I think there's something like ninety. I think. Don't quote me on that. But oh well, that's yeah, good I mean, number. some of them. Some of them take. Yeah, some of them can take. You know, like thirty to forty minutes to complete. You want to try. I do it without making mistakes. So there's a lot of gameplay time if you're into that sort of thing. Sure. And then it's got the I think it's called Mega Picross, and I'm not even like touching that with a ten foot pole right now. <laughs> is, is it huge? It adds a whole bunch of other rules. But it's not that it's bigger; it's that the clues work differently. Oh, okay. And it, the clues like um, give you an idea of what's going on, like uh, up and down, and not just left and right. Oh, sure. So, yeah, so you're, I don't know, it's just a lot more stuff to kind of hold in your head as you're working through it. And I don't think there's a tutorial for that mode. I think you just have to figure it out. Well, that's cool. I mean, I guess for the hardcore Picross players, that's totally cool. Right, so once I get through the, the first part, which I'd, I've gotten through one-third of the puzzles, it's it's got plenty of time. I've probably put four or five hours into it so far, just sitting on the couch playing it while I'm hanging out or whatever. It's fun. Nice. Yeah, I, I mean, if I get my points up there again, which I'm sure I will eventually. I mean, I still get points like every day from from uh, Mitomo, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like a thousand. But yeah, I wasn't sure. I I was afraid that it'd be more of a demo than an actual game, and it sounds like it's more of a game than a demo. So that's good, you know, because the the Pokemon one I wasn't really a fan of because it seemed like too demo-y and too like you know pay for extra or whatever. I don't know. It didn't seem like full. Well, I, mean, I think it's definitely, you know, think of like DSI where like some of those like smaller games they came out with. I think that's kind of like what it is. So it's a full game, but it's a small game. Yeah, well, that's fine. Compared to like what a release would be. But it doesn't have, a, I don't think it's open-ended in any way. I think it's, you get what is in the game. Yeah, I don't think they do any DLC for it. But you never know. I mean, they they add that for, I mean, they could add it for free games too, right? But uh, I've been—I uh, don't know—I I, uh, kind of like splurged a little bit on some on some classic games. I went to I went to the Midwest the Gaming Classic. I said that last week that I was going to do that. But before that, I bought a couple things. Like before I left, like I ordered uh, I ordered like Justice League Task Force for like Super Nintendo, which is an old DC fighting game that I used to play. I played that for a little bit, and I and I bought like a Dragon Quest Nine. I fought it. For, I found it for like ten bucks at a used at a used game place, just because I was itching to play Dragon Quest, and I felt like the other Dragon Quests they had were overpriced because they were selling like four and five like, a, for like forty, like used, which you can get it for less nine. new. Nine is the one. Um, it was the DS one. I mean, it's it was on. the. It's on DS. It, I thought you said you had okay. nine. I think I had that. Yeah, it's the a one. It's the one that's like I guess it's like multiplayer focused, but the online doesn't work anymore, so I can't really do that. But um, you make your own characters, and you go from, like, town to town. 
fighting stuff. It's yeah, it's it's been I got it for a pretty good deal. I mean, how, how much did you play of it? I put a couple hours into it. I actually forgot about it just because oh. it was just like another RPG that I was scooping onto my play all at once. Oh sure. I mean, I like it. I mean, yeah, I know like some I had some people some people kind of talk down on it because it's not as deep as like the other games, but I think there's enough to entertain you on it. Like I like. I mean, there's not really a story with the main characters, but there's stories like from NPCs, and I think that carries carries it more than like you know something like Pokemon, you know. So I so I've been enjoying it from when I from when I can, you know. And it's and it's and it's very old school, and I like that about it too, you know. Like it's, so, there's a lot of grinding and like you know, like everybody kind of levels up the same way. But you can like uh you get like attribute points that you can put to different stuff to to earn like different uh moves and magic and magic and stuff like that, but. But it's it's been pretty cool. And it's a fully it's like a fully three D game, isn't it? Like, well, yeah. like the, all I mean, the environments are three dimensional. Well, I mean it's polygon. There's polygons in it, but it's still like you know, it's still like your standard RPG fair where there's like the there's like the world map. But one cool thing is like the um you can see the enemies now. There's no like random battles. So that's a that's a definite plus. So you can actually avoid any enemies while you're going from one place to another if you want to, because you, you can actually see them on the on the map. But it's just, you know, it's like top down. Like it's like top down and you walk, you know, there's different, there's paths from one place to another and there's like a map on the top also. Everything's on the bottom screen because you can control it all with the with the stylus if you want. But um, So is that the one that has something to do with like angels or something? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. You're like a guard. You're like a guardian and like there's this, there's actually this really cool anime scene like at the beginning where like the heavens are destroyed and you lose your wings and all that. And it's drawn by like the same guy who did like Dragon Ball Z. So it's like all that, that, that style animation. I'm sure you got that far to see it because I think that's only like maybe an hour into it if even that. I think I did. But, uh, I don't know. I'll have to boot it up. It's, it's in my uh, 3DS case. I just haven't put it in because I have. Something else in right now. Oh sure. Well, give oh, it a uh, fire awakening. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you got you you bought it from somebody, right? Yep. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So I played I played that for a while, but um, yeah, I went to this uh went to this Midwest Gaming Classic in Milwaukee over the weekend. That was that was a whole lot of fun. I mean, I got to talk to some people and play some games that aren't out yet, and found some found some great deals on stuff. Bought like six games and a and a sixty four, so I was pretty. That's pumped great. About you that. got a new sixty four. Yeah, that makes me happy. Yeah, for thirty dollars, I was like very excited about that price. I told, I, I basically mentioned it to like almost everybody who had a booth there in the show, and they all told me that it was insane that I got it that cheap because they were selling them for a hundred dollars, like or some of them one hundred and twenty, like depending on which model it was. But yeah, one guy was like, "Man, I would have bought it for thirty and sold it for 60 I'm like, "Well." Thankfully, you didn't. <laughs> you know, right? So, let me get this straight. So, can you sell things at these conventions too? Like, are there the people at the booths like willing to buy things if you have something rare that they want? Uh, it, well, I mean, can you personally sell stuff? Like, if like, could I sell stuff? Is that what you're talking about? Like, if you came there with a rare game, could you sell it? Like, like you would at like a baseball card show or a, you know something like that, a memorabilia. Oh, I don't know. I uh, I saw that at some of the booths there was a sign that said that they accepted trades. So, so yeah, maybe okay. if you did, maybe if you did have something they wanted, you could probably trade it for credit or cash. Maybe I don't know. I didn't bring any games with me, but but there was signs that say like, you know, willing to barter or, or trade or whatever. And I did get prices lowered on a couple things, so I did like you know, do some bartering with them. 
there was like I, I found a copy of uh, Harvest Moon sixty four, which I, I love that game, and I think my old version broke that I had, the one that we played in college. But um, yeah. I was looking to get another one, and some guy was selling it for seventy, and I'm like, I like that game, but it's way too expensive, and he was trying to get me to like haggle with him on it. He's like, well, he's like, what will you pay for it? And I'm like, well, how about thirty? And he's like, well, that's too high, that's too low. And he's like, how about? And we got to fifty, and I'm like, I'm like, you know what? Let me think about it. And I'm and I'm like, I'm not gonna pay. I don't know. I didn't. I mean, I didn't really want to pay like. I didn't want to pay like more than thirty for anything. You know, that's how I felt. But um, that's another thing about haggling, though. You get you get caught up in it, and then you sort of feel guilty. You have to walk away. Like I think that's part of the whole game, and it's an okay thing, but. Oh sure. You know, someone's going to leave dissatisfied if a deal's not made. I just, I yeah, I just told him. I told him to give me a minute to talk about. It. I was like, he's like, let me think about it. I said, let me think about it. I might be back, and he's like, okay. And then I just left. But yeah, I just, I, I wasn't looking to spend that kind of money on anything. You know, there's like some games I'm looking for that I'd like to get that are still like fifty bucks. Like I'd like to get like some of the GameCube, uh, our uh, Pokemon games. Because I had I had Pokemon Coliseum and I sold it for whatever reason, like probably for another game or for Bunny, but um that that one and like Gale of Darkness are, are going for like sixty pretty much everywhere I've seen it. And if I, if I could find it for less, I would have got it. But you know, I guess those are rare and popular and all that. But man, I I saw like I saw I saw Conker's Bad Fur Day like selling for like a hundred dollars like opened as just a cartridge, which I thought was insane. Yeah, I missed that game. I used to have it, but I sold it. But there was like there was probably like four of them there between like the booths, so it's not that rare, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I I mentioned that to them. I was like, yeah, man, I have my copy still, and I bought this for nine dollars, like from from Toys R Us, like back in you know early two thousands when like sixty four was on its way out, you know. And they were like, yeah, it's it's rare now. I guess people want it. And I'm like, wow. But they were selling like at the same time they were selling like a boxed Perfect Dark like for like twenty bucks. You know, not like sealed, obviously, but you know, an inbox still with all the with all the artwork and all that for, for like you know, a fifth of the of the cost of of Conquer. Well, I think they made a lot less, of, or yeah, they definitely made more of the Perfect Dark games because I do remember seeing like bins of those selling really cheap at Toys R Us. Yeah, well, Conquer was Conquer was too. Conquer was, I mean, was selling cheap too, but I guess maybe people didn't buy it because it was more towards the end of the system or maybe they just I just don't think they made as many copies of it maybe not yeah I don't know that was that's I guess I don't have anything to back that up I feel like that's probably the case because it wasn't well I mean I guess it was rare also but they probably didn't expect as big of a turnout because it wasn't multiplayer it was it was multiplayer though Remember it had it a multiplayer. multiplayer yeah, the Teddy Teddy Evil Empire, whatever. That's what a Mark and Hickman would uh, would call it. But yeah, it had it had like a shooter. It had like a shooter multiplayer thing where you played as like the evil robot Teddies. So yeah, yeah it, did, it did have it. I mean, I know they added like online stuff to it later on the on the Xbox One. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I thought it was a very impressive game. Like I thought it looked great and had just a bizarre story and just kind of went all different ways at different times. So I really liked it when it came out. But but then, oh, again, the but then again, it was also like the swan song of the system. So I don't know. Maybe, yeah, probably people didn't buy it as much. But, uh, is you know, there was some cool... Like, I, I went there to go see the Retronauts live cast, and I got to hang out with those guys for a little bit. So that was fun. Like, they, they were real nice. Uh, I street passed, uh, street passed Jeremy Parrish and Bob Mackey. So 
they have you know oh yeah they, they have me on there yeah <laughs> I street pass both of them I uh like on the um did, did you ever get any of the extra street pass games the ones you had to pay money for like the um there's like the conquest one where you like have to invo- invade the countries like have you played that game no I haven't oh okay because like they added they added four like that you paid more for and then they added another four I didn't get the last four that they added but I got the first four. There's like a there's like Flower Town and like the space shooter one and like this haunted house thing, but um but there's like this conquest one where you like go across, you know this island and you go from like country to country and you have to like build up your troops, and when people treat street pass with you depending on how many people how many tr- how many people they have in their army they'll either join you, or they'll greet you and you can like challenge them and fight them and if you fight them you get like a good percentage of their army. Anyway, I uh, you know. Jeremy Parrish's army was like less than mine, so I was like, ah, I can do this, and I and I had fucked up and lost to him and lost like a big percentage of my guys, which I was really really upset about because I like made the wrong plans, of which of which uh which like because it works like rock paper scissors like kind of like a fire emblem where you have to send out certain guys up up against certain things and I did the wrong thing at the wrong time and I ended up getting beaten by him so I was I was angry about that. <laughs> So you walk away with a winner and a loser from this gaming convention. Yeah, but it doesn't affect. I don't think it affects him at all. Like obviously, because it's I played it like when I was back here. You know, I played that game. But uh, I know, I know, like some stuff. Like if you send messages or whatever, it won't it won't send it to him unless unless you street pass him again. So, but still, oh, that I was see. that was kind of a cool cool thing, I guess. Even though I was upset about it, but um. I see what you mean. So you'd have to street pass with him again for it to update the data of his army, defeating your army. I guess. Yeah, I don't know if it, I don't think it tells you that or not, but I don't know. But, um, that's what happened with that. But, uh, yeah, there's like, there was like a huge, like, vendor tent that's, that was just like a lot of booths of people selling stuff. I think you have to have a license to sell in there, obviously, but if you bring in stuff, I think you can trade within the people who are selling stuff. You know, it's all to their, you know, to their discretion or whatever. But um, I found a lot of cool stuff. Like uh, there was booths that had like a ton of like Super Famicom games. I found like Chrono Trigger on Super Famicom for fifteen dollars. That's like way cheaper wow. than the American one is. <laughs> Did you yeah, buy like, it? No, I, I mean I don't have a Super Famicom, so no. But I thought about it because they had like Chrono Trigger and like Final Fantasy four, five, and six, like all for like ten or fifteen dollars, which is I don't I, I don't know. For a Super Famicom, I don't know how that you know how it is for that. I guess because here those games sell for like sixty bucks, you know, each. Like Final, like any of the Final Fantasies or Chrono Trigger would go for like sixty plus, if not more. Maybe a lot more of those. Are I mean, I have noticed the Pokemon like green and stuff. The Japanese versions sell for a lot cheaper on eBay. Yeah, maybe it's just not. I know that I know that there's a lot of like retro stores in Japan that sell them, so maybe it's not that much of a demand there. But I did. Uh, there was like there was like a Tetris tournament there. There was like a Mario Kart tournament, like for Super Nintendo. I like tried out for both of those and failed. But I watched the uh, finale of the of the Mario Kart stuff, and that was kind of cool. That was kind of fun. There was a head to head matches, like a tournament yeah. style. Yeah, basically, um, it was like. You did time trials, and there were two different. It was like time trials for either uh, Mario Circuit One or like Bowser Circuit Two, I think. And like whoever had the highest, who had whoever had the lowest time, like who, whoever the top two were for both of those races, made it to the finale. And then you would just do a battle mode, one on one battle mode, to decide it. 
which is weird because oh, okay. like you know you're good do racing and then battle but i guess they want you to be like well-rounded i guess so it, yeah you'd have to be it's just a completely different style but uh but yeah i watched that i tried I, I i like i tried the time trials like because they'll let you do it multiple times if nobody's in line so i played like maybe like five or six times but still those guys were way better like the guy who got the who got it for mario circuit one used like donkey kong jr you know because he has like a much higher top speed but you gotta be but he controls he doesn't control that well yeah i didn't i didn't try i tried using him and if you like touch the grass at all like it goes back like your speed goes down super goes down a lot so so I imagine tough. if you mess up one time, you're out of the running in that sort of scenario. Well, it takes your yeah, it takes your time down so badly that it's just yeah. You have to go through it like pristine, and that's what they did. You know, going through without hitting anything or hitting the grass at all. Because some of those guys have played it a lot, but I watched some of the I watched the Tetris guys do it, and those guys were insane. Like they were they were hitting like three hundred thousand points like like within like a couple minutes. Because they would do the code. Really that and, uh, which version was it? The NES Tetris. Like okay. the one that's the one that's the same as the Game Boy one, but in color. Okay. So it has so like. So it didn't you know, have like the, the the blocks dropping instantly. They still had to like move down the screen. When no, I mean it really fast. I mean they go they get faster every every level, you know. Well, but I know some versions of Tetris since then, like if you hit up, the block instantly appears all the way down. Oh no, no, yeah, this is old school Tetris. This was the NES <laughs> NES Tetris. So it was, but uh, but they were playing on. There's a code that you can put in that'll that'll add like ten levels to the level that you select. So they were starting at level nineteen. So I guess that helps a lot, like for building for building score if you're if you're fast enough, you know. But I watched this one guy play, and he was insane, insanely quick. Like he would like store his like full like the long bars like on the left side if it wasn't, and he would just do Tetris after Tetris. And I'm not and I'm not not kidding, like three hundred thousand points, like in maybe two minutes at the most like it was pretty and he had a, i think he his record was like six hundred thousand or something like that i got like fifty thousand i played it <laughs> you know wow so i think how did they get... display it was it like they were playing on little tvs and then it was on a bigger television everyone could see oh they didn't they didn't display it it was just on a little tv so you just kind of had to gather around and watch it like for the for the um for like the mario kart finale it was just one tv and we all just kind of stood behind the tv and watched him play you know were they playing on a tube tv or a flat screen tube tvs man like they were super serious nice. about it like every old system was on a monitor or a tube, t- tube tv or whatever because they had this like room called the museum which just had like hundreds of, you know well, like hundreds of games just set up and you could just sit and they want you to sit down and play them and it would say like you know game came out this year on this system whatever it's in a little like plastic container so you can't take it out but you know, had the had the controllers out and their seats, and you know, people would just sit in there and play. Like they had like Donkey Kong Country Two was in there, and like and like Wild Guns for Super Nintendo. There were like some weird kind of random ones, like Ducktales and, and and Contra were in there for NES, and and they had like a Mario Kart Eight was hooked up in there, and there was like WarioWare for GameCube, and like uh, I think there was like a NBA Jam for like. For like one of the other systems, I think it was like the 3DO or something like that. But yeah, it was just a, and they had like a they, they had like a light gun wall also that was all light gun games where they had like a, uh, what was it Target Terror for um, was that what it was called the one uh, the the one the, you know the one for Wii where you could like where there's like the alternate mode where the guys have bananas and all that. I never played that. You didn't play that. It was uh, or no, it was uh, 
No, it's it's Ghost Squad. They were playing Ghost Squad. I don't know why why I thought Target Terror. But um yeah, Ghost Squad. They were playing that. And there was like some time crisis stuff and and like uh I think uh House of the Dead 4 was there too on whatever PS3, like whatever system it it came out for. But um but yeah, it was cool. There was all types of shit to play. They had like, you know, I think like Zork was there and stuff like that. There were a couple places that had typing of the dead. I I watched people play that. It's like House of the Dead 2, but you just type the words in. That was really cool to see. That game's great. Yeah. I love that game. But, uh. I, I beat it the first time I played it. Yeah. I didn't play it, but I watched people play it. I was like, oh, that looks cool. That looks fun. There was like a couple games that I was looking for, which some of them I did find. Like I was trying to find Kirby's Air Ride. I found that there. I got, I bought Star Fox again for $14. I thought that was a good deal. Like Star Fox Super Nintendo. Yeah. I bought, uh. That's a great Tet- game. I'd like to I bought, that. Yeah. I bought Tetris Attack for 10 bucks. I had had that one and sold it, but I thought that was good. I pretty much got, uh, Incredible Hulk uh, Ultimate Destruction for free. Like they threw it in with the 64 because I bought it with other stuff. But, um, oh, cool. But yeah, but I was looking. There were like certain things I was looking for. Like I said, I was looking for the Pokemon ones, but those are too pricey. But I was looking for a game on 64 called uh, Beetle Adventure Racing. Do you remember that game? I do. I just kind of wanted to find it, and I couldn't find it anywhere. Nobody had it. Like I haven't looked into it, but I'm sure that one's rare too because that was like such a It had like weird... crazy environments that you were like racing through and. Yeah, it was, and yeah, but it had really like, huge. but it had like interactive, like it had like a. I remember it had a lot of like different ways you could go, and you could break through walls, and like, and there was like haunted houses, and like canyons, and like just all these like really really crazy races. And I had a, I had a blast with it when it came out, and I was just wanting to play it again. And I thought maybe I could find it cheap somewhere, but I haven't seen it anywhere yet. But um, I, I mean, think a convention like that would be really great. Like if you lived around that area, like it'd be a great place to meet people and compare collections or if they have extra of one thing and you have extra of another thing, you can trade or whatever. Oh, sure. Yeah. The, I mean, the people who live like on there, they're, you know, they, and a, and a lot of those places in the booths are like stores that are in like Wisconsin. So they probably know like what they already have and, you know, that type of thing. But uh, I met some people. There was like a Retronauts uh, meetup that I went to where we had like a couple beers and I met some cool guys there, you know, just talking about old games and whatnot. But yeah, it was, it was a, I mean, I went there by myself, but it was like, it was like a really easy convention to go to by yourself because you could pretty much talk to anybody about, you know, whatever. Cause, you know, they're into the same stuff. So it's like, I don't know. I didn't feel, it didn't feel weird to me because I could just walk into a place and start talking to some guy about some game and he knows what it is, you know? So it was right, easy. It's, it's, it's easy, like. It's easy to like strike a conversation with somebody. Like I talked to the guy who made who makes like new NES games. He was there. The guy who made like the incident. I don't know if you saw that. It's it's kind of like Lolo, but it has like a Rob type character in it. They did a they did a feature on it on IGN. Like they did a video where they showed some of the levels. But he was there. He was selling his games for like forty five bucks. I mean they're new and they're independently made. You know for NES. But um, there's another game he made called Arm for Battle, which was a re- real time strategy game for the NES, which I thought was pretty impressive because I didn't think that that was possible on that system. You know? Do they have demos there you could try? Yeah, he had it on TVs that you could play. You could play it there. Cool. But they were like in boxes, like he designed the boxes and all that. And and there was in the same room there was a some guy made an HD ready NES, which I thought was really cool. That had an HDMI out on it. You know, that's supposed to, like, you know, fix the problems with, uh, you know, upscaling and all that. Like, it's supposed to be an actual where there's no delay and all that, which I thought was cool. I was hope if there were other ones, like, I I was trying to see if there was, like, maybe some sort of adapters for Super Nintendo or if there was an HD Super Nintendo one, I'd think about getting it. But 
The NES one is selling for like a hundred something, so it's not really cheap in any way. But it looks cool. It's like super slick looking. So you know, is it's it got just fl- attached to your existing NES, or is it a, a fully like standalone unit? Oh, it's it's a new system. It's a full new system that you buy. Oh, okay. And it has like it has four controller ports on it, so it has like the four the four player adapter built into it, which is really cool the as well. Yeah, the multi tap is in there, so. So it's, I mean, it's looked like, it looked like a pretty nice looking system, you know, and you would just, it had like a similar thing where you put it in like, uh, horizontally, but uh, not, you know, not with the shelf thing going up and down, obviously, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was neat. Um, but, uh, and they had, yeah, they had, they had that and some other stuff and yeah, there was like, I, there were like rooms I went through where people had different setups and then there was a tent that had like a shitload of vendors and then there was like a bar area where they did like the panel stuff and and like a there was like a big pinball arcade thing in the that like downstairs which I went uh, I went and played uh, Ghostbusters and Game of Thrones which are both like new stern pinball games that aren't out yet so those games were cool so that was that was neat to play some new stuff there was like one place that had like a VR stuff which uh which I watched uh, I watched them play it and like some kid was playing like you were like walking around this arcade like in VR, and I thought it was like really weird. I'm like, so we're like in a convention that has like real arcades that you can walk around and play games, and you're like playing this VR thing where you're walking around in an arcade. It's like weird. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> could you play and, the arcades in the arcade? Yeah, you could play like games. Like they had a Star Fox set up there, you know, where you could play it like a virtual reality on a TV. And I'm like, I like have the Star Fox with me that I bought, and I'm like. <laughs> I could I could like play Star Fox here in like Fake World, or I can just leave because I already bought it and I just left. I didn't end up playing it, but I don't know. It looked all right. It was just weird. It just is like so surreal to me. I guess that you know, it's like we have this make believe version of what we're actually doing here that you can do. You know, I don't know. But uh, yeah, but there was a true. but there was a there was a Nintendo booth there, so I got to uh, talk to a guy briefly about the new Star Fox. So from what I could oh, yeah. get out of him, from what I could get out of him, yeah, he didn't really. Uh, he didn't want to tell me much, but uh, but I, I saw like yeah in this there was like an area where they had like people had made like new arcade games like there was like a Beavis and Butthead beat 'em up type game that people liked. It was kind of like Final Fight, which I thought it was weird that okay. they're making games of Beavis and Butthead now, but whatever people are playing it. But uh, tucked in the corner there was a Nintendo booth, and I got some free posters like I got a Super Mario Maker poster and like a Triforce Heroes poster and an Amiibo poster, which was pretty cool. Sweet. And they were giving and they were giving out like um. Like hard hats for uh, for Super Mario Maker, you get like a Super Mario hard hat to 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 wear, and they were like uh, Yokai watch, like crown things that you could buy also that are like kind of like the ones you put around your head or whatever. But um, but I but yeah, I saw the uh, I just asked the guy I was like, "Where's Star Fox at?" Because they had uh, all they had was Smash Brothers and uh, Pokemon Tournament, and I'm like. It's pretty close. Like, you guys don't have anything to demo? And he's like, oh, well, he's like, well, you know, we both have copies. It was like the Nintendo rep for uh, for Wisconsin or whatever. And he's like, yeah, we both have copies, but Nintendo has doing an unveiling somewhere else, so they, we can't do it here. But he couldn't tell me where it was, of course. It's probably like a GameStop or Best Buy or something like that. Maybe they're going to do a demo thing that's exclusive for that, but... I asked him. I asked him how. So I asked, yeah, I, I asked him how he liked it, and he's. I mean, well, they already sent. I think they already sent out like uh, review copies to people a couple weeks yeah. ahead of time. So that's always a good sign, you know. They're not completely. Well, there's stuff showing up it. on the internet. For 
from the end credits, which I've been trying not to look at. So, you know, I know people are playing it. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen anything like that. IGN did like a 10-minute video of like the um of the co-op mode through the first level. And I mentioned that to the rep guy and I was like I was like, "So I saw a video of the first level and I saw there's these different sections in the levels." And he's like He's like, he's like, where'd you see a video? And I'm like, it's online. He's like, there shouldn't be anything up yet. And I'm like, dude, IGN put it up. And he's like, oh. I'm like, well, can you talk about that? And he's like, well, there's certain things that I could talk about, and there's certain things that I can't talk about. And I don't, and I'm not really sure which one's which, so I can't tell you anything. That's basically what he told me. But what he did tell me is that uh, he does like the game, and uh, it takes you a little bit to get used to the controls, but once you do, it's really, it works really well. That's what he told me. He said it took, it'll take you about an hour to get used to the whole aiming and, and like looking at two screens yeah he he told me he told me that he didn't know he didn't know like what he what he could say and what he couldn't say so he basically said like i can't say anything but before he said that i asked him like because he said he had it and i'm like well how do you like it and he's like well you know it's it's a difficult game and uh it takes you it takes you about an hour to get used to the controls but once you do get used to the controls you're happy that they're there so you, and you see like the perks of them he also told me that he played the game for about three hours, so I was like, um, "How?" I was like, "How far did you get?" And I was like, "Did you beat it in three hours?" And he's like, "He's like, no, I I didn't really get any close. Get get close." So that's him saying that uh, that it has some length to it, which is great, you know, because a lot of those are real easy, or not easy, but quick, you know. Like I yeah, beat, sure. like I beat Star Fox before we recorded this. I played through Star Fox Super Nintendo like on the easy mode, and it must have taken me like like 20 30 minutes i think but it's fun, uh, though. oh yeah no it's great but i mean that's how it you know it's very arcade so it's like exactly and there's different paths and all that. i mean i'm not saying that there's not that it's not worth it because it totally is especially the 64 one which we'll get into in another episode but but just because of all the different paths and the metals and all that stuff that you can get but um but yeah that's what he told me about it so i tried to get i tried to get a little bit out of him on it and i couldn't really you know he couldn't really tell me much, but he said that he enjoyed the, the, you know, that he does like the game. He said he likes Star Fox a lot. He told me it's a hard game, so that's, you know, take that as it is. I mean, I think that's a good thing. So, I'm excited. I'm excited to play it. I think I hope it's I hope it's cool. I mean, it looks great. It looks great. It really does. Like the I saw the preview with the puppets, or one of the previews with the puppets, but it's pretty funny. Or it's a commercial rather, I think. But. Uh, it looks great. The explosions look really nice. I noticed. So oh, I think yeah. Michael Bay directed that part <laughs> of the game. Yeah, totally. Oh, one thing. One thing I got to mention real quick before we go to the before we go into our topic of the week, which is you know Star Fox SNES. Uh, they had they had a um, what I thought was insane. I didn't think these actually existed, but they had a prototype, an actual prototype of the Nintendo PlayStation, like the Sony Nintendo collaborated thing like there was an actual prototype made and they had it there and oh wow and it's there's only a couple of those yeah it was there it was in a glass case i guess there was a presentation where they uh tried to turn it on and it didn't work you know which right. it's like 20 some years old so that makes sense but um but yeah like it i saw it and it had a you know it's basically looks like a super nintendo um, there's Super Nintendo controller ports on the front, like the regular, so they would have, so Nintendo controllers would have worked with it. And it's basically, yeah, Super Nintendo cartridge thing on the top, like Super Famicom size, and, uh, and like a disk drive on the front. And, uh, apparently it was just kind of an answer to like Sega CD. You know, it was like a, 
at the time, like it was a you know this added version, this new version of Super Nintendo that took that took discs as well with with the disc drive. So yeah, that was, that was interesting. Yeah, it was like a supplementary sort of thing. It had extra games, but yeah, I definitely think it was they were trying to embrace the disc, but they were embracing it on their own terms. Sure, but yeah, it was a uh, yeah. There were a couple games they made for it, I guess, that work, but or did work at one point. But you know, it's been a long. But I don't time. think there is any f- games that were fully finished, or if they were, they were like ports or something. Oh sure, yeah. I think it was a uh, Secret of Mana was originally developed for that, and they ended up putting it on the um, you know Super Nintendo, just making it a little bit less, but still. But I remember reading an article. It must have been at least a year ago. I can't remember the source of this article. Sorry, internet, but. Uh, yeah, it was about a guy who bought. Uh, basically, they auctioned off a bunch of stuff from an old game gaming company or a game warehouse or something along those lines. He bought, you know, some stuff and opened it up. And, and I mean, that was. I wonder if that was the same one because they hadn't. There weren't very many documented one. Like that might have been the one the article was about. Because they made a really big deal about it in the article, like that it was just something that there was concept drawings, but they hadn't like found any of the demo units in the wild. Oh, sure. Yeah, I think there's only a couple of them. I think there's only, like, two. So that's pretty badass. Uh, were you able to take pictures of stuff, or were they, like, prohibiting that sort of thing? Oh, I, no, I took I took a ton of pictures of stuff, and I put it, I put them up on the uh, on the Facebook, on the on the uh, Nintendo main Facebook page, and my, nice. and my own Facebook page as well. But, uh, I, yeah, I just took, I took a ton of pictures of stuff, like, of the pinball games and, like, Retronauts and whatever. I didn't take a picture of the... Um, Nintendo PlayStation thing. I guess I should have, but I've seen pictures. I mean, I've Jeremy Parrish wrote an article about it, so he has pictures of it on there. But um, but yeah, it's, it was super cool. But um, yeah, it was it was fun. You know, hopefully, you know, maybe we can have a presence at one of those eventually. That'd be, that'd be fun. I would enjoy that. But uh, do you wanna do you wanna get into the topic of the week then? Super Nintendo uh, Star Fox. Star Fox, which if you remember, I believe that's the very first music that plays in Nintendo Main. Yeah, that was our first episode. It had intro and outro from Super Nintendo Star Fox. We could do the whole thing in their voices, you know, just go back and forth, being like, "Do do do, damn it!" Yeah, yeah, I, I love the voices on that. Or like, uh, what is the foxes like? Did it? Did it? Did it? It's like, when yeah. He, yeah, he's kind of scatting a little bit. Do do do. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I remember. Um, I don't know. My uh, my first experience with Star Fox was uh, my, my one of my one of my best friends from high school, uh, Caleb Ogden. He uh, he like we we would like always rent at Super Nintendo games and like play them, like have sleepovers or whatever. And uh, we and he was like obsessed with like flying games. So we would rent like uh, there was this game called Wings Two that we used to play. I don't know if you ever played that game. It was like a it was like a World War Two type thing and. Yeah, so we played that game. We never really played Pilot Wings because I don't think it was available at the rental place we went to. But I remember like renting Star Fox, like after we had played Wings Two, 
and it was just like holy shit like this this is like totally different and i just remember just being impressed with like the fact that i could break the wings off of the off of the off of the off of the ship like i used to just do that we used to just like turn it and just fly down and just break the wings off so it would be the smaller version of it and i used to do that as like a strategy thing because it would be harder to get hit by stuff you know like cuz the cuz the, the um the collision detection worked so well you know i was just really super impressed with it played the crap out of it you know i've owned it a couple of times I, I you know sold it rebought it just recently but killer soundtrack i love i love the voices on it you know but um yeah i just remember getting blown away by just the 3d 3dness of it you know because it was such a crazy thing back then like in the 90s 93 i believe march 93 is when it came out yeah i remember my dad uh that was one of those games where we rented it before we ever bought it like you were saying so oh yeah we rented everything back there I thought it was Street Fighter 2 that came out at the same time, but it wasn't. I think that came out in 92 on the Super But there was some other game that came out at the same time as Star Fox, I remember. Was it Mario Kart, maybe? I don't know. I mean, I was saying it could be, you know, there's like, I mean, you know, there's like four different Super Nintendos, or four different Street Fighters, Street Fighter 2s on on Super Nintendo, so it could be any of them. Well, three Street Fighter 2s and a Street Fighter Alpha, but still there's, like, four different versions of those games, so it could have been any of them, you know, because I remember there was, like, Champion Edition, and then there was Turbo, and then there was Super Street Fighter. So, so it might have been Turbo, but so it could have there been were one two of those. games that were out, and my dad asked which we wanted to rent, and I, think I, I don't think I said Star Fox, but I think my dad really wanted to play it. So he ended up bringing both games home, I remember that, and Star Fox was the one that I ended up liking more, even though it's not the one I wanted to rent. It's the one I played. Oh sure, but had you? But you hadn't played. You hadn't played Street Fighter before at that time. I played it in the arcade, so that oh, was okay. one reason I was really obsessed with it, like playing it at home. Sure, because yeah, when I got a, uh, I remember when I got my Super Nintendo. I think the first Street Fighter Two was already out, so that one must have been earlier. But it could have been, yeah, it could have been uh, Turbo or the other one. I don't know. But I I love Star Fox. Like, yeah, it's one of my favorite Super Nintendo games, and it's kind of in a league of its own because there's not really anything else like it on the console, you know. So it offers like different paths you can take. There's just a lot going on. Not to mention, just I really like how like all the levels end with like sort of a cinematic, like you know, everybody's like kind of regrouping and talking about what happened, and it sort of like sets you up. They like blast off to the next level and you can sort of see it off in the distance oh yeah that's really that's when like your your party members will be like i thought i was a goner you know if they're low on energy oh sure yeah yeah where they talk they talk back to you and that yeah and then they do they do like hyperspace too like it was i remember one time where they go to hyperspace it goes and like everything goes to white like i remember that looking really cool where like all the different lines go and then it all just fills up the screen yeah that game was great and it had secrets secrets were good yeah, did, have you? Uh, I was going to ask you. Have you beat? Have you beat all the different ways? Like, have you done like uh, did did like the the hardest one or like? Because I think the only one I really got through was level one. Was the first? Was the middle path? Like, did you did you make it through the other paths? I think I made it through the second path. The one I think it's on the right side. It's the the one on the bottom is the hardest one, and the the one on the left is the is the. Uh, oh, that's right. It yeah. goes from uh, left to right. Yeah, well, so I've done the top two. Yeah, it goes like middle. Well, middle's easy. Because that's where it starts you on, and then to the left is a little bit harder, and to the right's the hardest. Is how they do it. But uh, and, and I know the hardest one starts with the red, like the level's red, like the sky's red, on Kerneria. 
Like it's like you know, when the sun's setting. Yeah, and you, I think you fight a different boss. Yeah, there's different bosses, and and you go to different levels and all that. And I think, I mean, I might, I think I might have gotten to to Venom on the on the level two, but I don't know if I don't remember if I beat it or not. But I can, but I can go through level one pretty pretty easy, like the the easiest path. Like I just did that. I just did that before we started recording. Like I said earlier, but um, but yeah, there's like so many cool stuff. Like especially like the. You remember like the the Andro Space Armada level with like the boxes that you go into and you'd like dodge things and it did like the 3D parts where you went like through different tunnels and stuff where it actually showed like outside of the ship. I thought that was really cool looking. Yeah, and then you'd fight the uh the core inside of the ship and you were sort of like flying in a 360 degrees around it while you were fighting it, but you didn't know until the very end when like you know it zooms out like you were saying it you see your ship going around it. 360 degrees. Oh, Man, sure. it looks, looks so great. It, I mean, that was 23 years ago, nearly. And that was a fully 3D game in every sense, really. I mean, you were on rails, but it was fully, what was it, uh, vector-based? I don't think it was polygon-based. It was vector, yeah. Because the, the, um, the, the FX ship was, uh, yeah, it was, it, was design, it was designed to use, uh, 3D, 3D math and vector graphics. The, uh, which was the, actually the first, the uh, first, um, Graphics processing unit, the first G- GPU, was this was the um, SuperFX chip. Like you Which read now that a GPU is part of a lot of video cards. Most video cards have a GPU built in. Yeah. Well, you remember that uh, there was an article that was released, I guess, like a year ago, about uh, or I mean, or was they they interviewed him like a couple years ago, like from Argonaut about the uh, development of the game, and they they yeah they said that like we were the first ones to make a graphics graphics processing unit. And uh, what I thought was insane was that they said uh, they said that they were originally uh, talking about putting the putting the like chip in the in the system like in the Super Nintendo, but ended up not doing it because of price because of price issues. But wouldn't that have been insane? Like if it came out like that, like they were going to do it for the American release, it would have been yeah, a whole the U.S. version hadn't been released yet because this yeah that article says this all like started in 1990 when they first started talking to oh Nintendo yeah sure about making this stuff so like. That goes back even further, of course, you know, 26 years ago. Like, that's just insane to think I was playing with Ninja Turtle figures or whatever, you know, like when they were developing this fully 3D game. We could, I mean, we can get, do you want to go into the Argonaut stuff now or just should we, should we like talk more about the regular game first? Maybe we should talk a little bit more about the regular game because yeah. I mentioned earlier the secrets. Like one thing is that. Yeah, I was going to ask you, know, you if they're... you knew, if you knew, like if you had done like the. Well, yeah, continue. If you'd done like the 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 meteors with the faces or whatever, I think that was all I did was the warp zone. Yeah, the meteors with the faces was what I was going to mention because that's where you go to supposedly where you're dead, vanished, where Star Fox's dad vanished was in the black hole or whatever. Yeah, and you'll like see like uh, an R wing like spinning off at one point. There's just like a bunch of random stuff because it's it, it ends up just because it, you know it's just like a, a shortcut so you can switch paths. So then you're not even on the same difficulty path anymore. It like moves you around depending on what uh, portal you choose to leave. But yeah, man, that's that was cool. Like I remember, like because I had played the game a few times before I found that out in a magazine or something. Yeah, I think I saw it. I think I saw it in Nintendo Power. Same here. Yeah, but uh, did you ever find the uh, did you ever find the um, slot machine in there? I remember that I being did. another thing. Did um, I'm trying? I can't remember how to get to it, but I did get to it. Like uh, it required. It was another thing about shooting certain enemies, wasn't it? It probably. I think it had to do with uh, asteroids, 
with like those full like the big where they're all connected to each other yeah but um yeah i don't i don't i don't know if i actually found that or not well i, I only found it because i read something about it you know i didn't find it on my own but oh, i did sure. go back and check it out when i read about it but it was it was another one of those things where it had been like years later like probably not even 10 years because there was like the other thing like you could figure out how to like uh move the 3d model of the r-wing around on the continue screen oh yeah i remember that and you can hold a you can hold a button that'll like uh do some sort of ghosting thing where it'll where like it it'll like freeze whatever's moving and you can like fill up the whole screen with it did you ever did you ever do that i did that was fun and then yeah. to find like you could change the object using controller two. Oh sure so yeah that game didn't have a two-player mode but but it had a two-player uh, have yeah two-player like, yeah that was really cool I yeah, remember that, like, um, yeah, I, I remember just moving the, I would just move the the R wing around until it would like spin and never stop, like before you know before it continues. But uh, but yeah, that looked really, that, that was really cool. That's a nice little hidden thing in there. So I did find so how to get to the slot machine, and I can't. It, it doesn't say over here, but I, I feel like it was a continuous loop, wasn't it? You were stuck there once you got there. Yeah, you had to get you had to get it to spin three sevens before you could leave. It's okay, well, I don't think I was ever able to. Leave. You have to like but, uh, pretty much get it to get it to hit a jackpot, but yeah, you're stuck there indefinitely if you don't. But it's on the second level of the the hardest difficulty level, the asteroid belt, and uh, a sec like there's a couple of big asteroids and like the second huge asteroid coming at you that you normally wouldn't be able to destroy. You shoot it, you just keep shooting it, and then it eventually explodes. And then, yeah, and then you follow the and, bird. Yeah, but yeah, an, an enemy an enemy shoots out, and you can kill it, but you're not supposed to. You're just supposed to let it fly into you. Ram into it. That's sure. when you go into that weird paper dimension. Yeah, I remember reading about. I remember reading about that in, in, in Nintendo Power, but I don't remember if I actually did it or not. I feel like I've seen the bird. Maybe I don't know. Like I know, I know, I found the. I know, I found the warp, the black hole. But um, but yeah, but yeah, it was just uh, yeah, it was cool. It's just a lot of uh, interesting stuff like that. Is um, I did you uh, is there is are there's different versions of Andros right when you get to the end because I played the regular version where you fight the face and then he becomes the block and you shoot the block and then he explodes. But is That's it? But it version I played. But is it? But it isn't like the sixty four right where there's different where there's different versions of Andros depending on what depending on what uh which way you go. I don't think so. I think that uh Corneria is different, but I think all the other levels because you can jump around through the black hole. I think oh, they're all sure. the same. No matter how you get, to. oh, I thought so I think, that maybe I think Venom's the same. No matter how you get, I thought. Yeah, I don't know because I think Venom might have different levels. Because I know really? 60, 64 does that. Like depending on how you get there, like Venom's completely different. But um, but I think it. Yeah, I think there might have been different versions of Venom on on the Super Nintendo one. That's what I. That's what I remember. I haven't had enough time to go through all of them like more recently. But I think I think yeah that there's different levels of difficulty in that. Do you still find it playable? Like are you playing it through your are you playing it through your H D T V? Yeah I did. I played it through my H D T V. My uh my my girl my girlfriend's grandma, she uh she just got an H D T V and she was trying to get rid of her tube T V and I was like really trying to it was like too big to put in the car, but I was trying to bring it back here to to place to play like, you know, to play stuff on. But it was like a forty inch and it's just gigantic and it's like so heavy and we couldn't even get it into the car like with the doors open so i couldn't do it but but yeah i'm, I'm playing it on the hd tv and it's and it's fine i mean i can play it you know i was able to beat it so it took me a little bit to get used to it but it's you know it's i don't i don't feel like it's 
It's not like it's not like slow enough, or I don't notice like the delay or whatever, so it doesn't really bother me while playing Super Nintendo games. So I was able to make it through. Yeah, I just was curious because I mean I've gone back to play the game a few times, and the frame rate is you know not what we're used to. No, yeah, and it slows down. It was great for the time, but you know going back to it, it's visually it can be kind of hard to deal with if you're not really like in the zone. Oh sure, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really bother me. Like there's slowdown on Venom, you know when they do the. Where there's the parts where like the pillars fall down, like that slows yeah. down, you can notice it. But I I don't know. I mean it's it's an old it's an old 3D game. It's just kind of what I expect, you know. I mean yeah, it's a little slow. And the and the the aiming, I guess the shooting can be a little like weird just because of that because of the slowdown. But um, I don't know. I'm still able to I'm still able to play it and have and have fun with it. I would say that so playing through the easiest difficulty on that. For me, it's something I could just do over and over again. Like, it's fun. Like, it's a good experience. Like, you know, it may not be super challenging, but, you know, maybe I control compare it to uh, doing, like, a speed run of Super Mario Brothers. Like, if you've played it enough and you use all the warp zones and stuff, you, like, try to beat it as fast as you can. So oh, I found sure. myself playing the Star Fox the same way because it was just so fun. Like, you know, I could still go back to that game and play it, which I hope to own it again. I'm probably going to buy it soon. But uh, yeah, so like something about that game, it's just magical. I don't know. It transcends just like a normal gameplay experience for me personally. And the nostalgia and just the fun of it all and like how different it was than anything else I had played at the time. Like that that for me makes it like just one of the coolest games ever, especially if, if you want to lump it into like a retro game and old school game. Like it felt like it was, you know from another time the time oh yeah totally i mean it's it was kind of i mean it's just you know it's nobody had really seen anything like that at that time especially like the way you know the way it was made like with a chip on the game you know that was insane like that to make you know to make the, everything work faster but um yeah i would do that too like it like when i had my Star Fox game like before I, I would just yeah i would just pop it in and just go through the easy mode and it would just be like something i do it's like oh, i'm just gonna go through this you know, because it was fun, and I knew I was able to beat it, and I could just do, yeah, just go through it and enjoy it, and I, and yeah, did did the same, did the same sort of thing, like new different parts to to do. I don't know. The uh, I I heard that I heard that those puppets, uh, you know, the puppets like from the um, that are on the game cover, I heard those puppets yeah. still still exist, like they still have them at Nintendo of America, and they're pretty fucking scary looking. <laughs> That's what I've heard. I would love to see those. You know, have they just not aged very well? Well, I mean, I'm sure they look. I'm sure they look scary. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised they haven't like disintegrated. But depends on depends on what they're made out of. But I guess they're just freaky looking. Yeah. Just kind of like you know, just old and the hair's like kind of going all over the place and probably looks pretty <laughs> mean. Pretty mate. Probably looks pretty mangy and all that. You know. But <laughs> just ups. Yeah, I would just love to. See, I would love to see that. Though. I'm sure it's creepy. Have you Have you ever thought of like how like just on the on the subject of Star Fox? But have you ever thought of like how weird it is that they all have like cybernetic legs? Like, have you ever wondered about, wondered about that? Like how they don't have feet? Did you ever notice that with them? Like they're they're like they're cyborgs. Like all of them. Like they have they have fake legs in all of the games. I think I just thought they were like cybernetically enhanced. Sure. I think I think Miyamoto even said that that they're all that they all have they all have fake legs. <laughs> you know. Maybe that's know. just I mean, like it, a joke to like go puppets like didn't have legs or whatever. Cuz well I mean I know earlier stuff and in the 64 one probably when we got to like Star Fox Adventures he didn't have like fake legs anymore. 
but <laughs> totally the 64 when they all had metal legs. I always thought that was weird. And and definitely in the puppets, the puppets had the metal legs as well. It's, it's wow, weird. That's, that is I guess, weird. That's, that's kind of a horror movie kind of scenario. Yeah. I guess, uh, I guess like, um, I guess all the different animals were supposed to be based somewhat on like Japanese mythology and all that with like the, with like the bird and the, and the, and the, and the rabbit and the frog, I guess. Did you, uh, did, were you as like, uh, were you as upset as I was when, uh, when Slippy's voice was changed between games, between 64? and uh super nintendo because he had oh. such a, he had such a deep voice in the super nintendo one and when he became like basically the voice of toad in the new one i was i felt like i had been lied to <laughs> you know definitely he was already he already seemed really like dumb but they like the voice made him naive yeah we so, thought like, he was he was he like, kind of like dumb it. to naive i think that was sort of their their hope that he would like become more redeeming and not as much of a dumbass <laughs> well, I kind of liked him as like you know he's supposed to kind of be like a big like a big slow big slow guy you know where he's like he's like doo, 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 and then he turns into like woo you know and then he becomes this like super high pitched annoying thing I don't know I felt he like still he compl- can't like protect his own ass I felt like he completely changed his character you know I kind of liked him as like you know like watch me fox blah 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 you know I don't know I kind of liked him as the big dumb guy and not like the little annoying thing. But I don't know. That's a different subject for a different episode. We'll do the 64 one on the next one. But still, yeah, actually, the whole on the whole voice thing, like I was kind of upset that it wasn't still like do 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 dab it. I mean, it was impressive that they did full voice acting on it, but I missed the old versions. I know a friend of mine told me that there was a European version of it where they did that because they because of like all the different languages that were on it and they didn't and they didn't have enough room to record all of them. So like on that one, the characters still say like do 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 dab it and and uh, do dab it. And, and, you know, and dirt, 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 and all that. So that would be a fun one to play, like, if somebody actually had that. You know? Wasn't it called Star Wings in, uh, Europe? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was called Star Wing. So, so yeah, it'd be just Star Wing 64, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I mean, totally, you know, beautiful game, great characters. Like, it's, and, and the, like, development of it is insane. You're, like, with the Argonaut stuff, which we should, we should get into that. We should. Because, yeah. These guys were, like, mavericks in their own time that, like, in a lot of ways remind me of, like, what, it, it, like, kind of what indie people are doing now, like, with all the indie developers working directly with the big companies to distribute games through, uh, the virtual console, uh, whatever each of those systems has, you know, like through the downloadable games. Oh, sure. We're definitely in, like, an indie generation, which I think. If we said in the drunk episode for sure. The story of this, which I hadn't known until I read that article, was like it just reminds me like something like this happening like twenty years ago is crazy. Yeah, I mean, well, this is yeah in like the early nineties, like this is unheard of. Like it's just I I thought it was so cool that like yeah somebody it's a couple of guys who were able to get past a copyright protection thing on uh, on game on the Game Boy. You know, so you was should able to, that. was able to get uh was able to get the attention of like a multi million dollar headquarters or head. Uh, multi-million dollar company yeah these i guess apparently um the game boy the original game boy if you remember the uh nintendo block would come down and then and then there'd there'd be the the noise and then it would go to the game and uh i guess that was a copyright sort of thing like it had to be in a certain place like where where it fell and like where it landed and that was what you know helped it detect like whether it was like a counterfeit game or not you know like because everything had to be licensed by nintendo and okayed by nintendo and all that it was like a full foolproof plan i guess and they found a way to hack to hack it to where it came down and said argonaut and then started this crazy demo of a game that had that had 3d effects on a game boy which i guess became x which was only released in japan unfortunately but from what i've heard of that game is insane it's just stuff that just shouldn't 
be you just shouldn't be able to work on a Game Boy, but it does. But that's just a crazy way to to kind of put get your foot in the door. And they were like, uh, they were like, hey, we can do 3D graphics. We want to work for you. And they pretty much flew him out to Japan to talk to like Yamauchi, you know, the man, the old president, like pre 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 Iwata. That's just crazy. And that some of them ended up staying there and like never like never really left the company. They ended up getting scalped, you know, in a way out of uh, out of Argonaut. It's just it's just such a crazy story. Like I just didn't know all the details of it. Yeah, and uh, so back to the the Game Boy hack and kind of like to explain a little more kind of how i understood it so sure the way uh it was explained was that it was that guy uh dylan cuthbert i think he's the guy that had figured out the the way around the game boy thing was like sure the nintendo logo scrolls down the game boy then it hits a certain point like a pixel perfect point before it stops and that signals the copyright protection but before the uh, logo even comes down the cartridge or the the console reads what's about to be loaded and then scroll down the page. So they had figured out the workaround was like, it would load the Nintendo logo and then it would read that or the console would read that. And then that's when the Argonaut logo would come down, which wasn't the logo, you know, that had been read before. Oh yeah. And then, and then they used their own like chip that they had hacked into it or whatever to like circumvent the next part. Oh, so sure. yeah, there was like the... two, there were two levels they had to work past yeah. to, uh, to get that. And then like part of the, the whole copyright protection that, nintendo had going was you know it kind of like covered their ass in a really brilliant way because the way to get around that copyright protection involved the pixel perfect nintendo logo but you couldn't use that without their permission that was their logo so yeah so the way he had figured it out was to get it to read it before it was displayed on screen so that you know they weren't technically using nintendo's logo to trigger what was happening oh sure yeah, totally. So I, I thought that was really cool. Like when he kind of explained it that way. Like, I mean, I obviously don't understand like step by step programming that was involved in that. Yeah, the exact the actual kind of, like parts of it that does whatever. You know, I, I, I just really think that's that really cool. Bit. Yeah, I think it's really cool that like yeah that that initial copyright protection they they figured out a way around it by basically it wasn't on screen yet and that's how they were able to keep from getting sued or whatever. But Nintendo more like took it as like you know they didn't take it as like. They're trying to rob us. They're more just impressed that they had figured out a workaround on their own. Yeah, they they just they were just I mean, they were just trying to prove to them that they were talented. And I guess they 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 believed it and they talked to him and eventually they were flown out there to work with them, which is just crazy. Because they were so, like, what, the the three of them were like, one of them was 18 and, like, the other ones were, like, in their early to mid-20s. Just crazy. Like, to just, and then they worked with, like, the major heads of Nintendo, like Gunpoi Yokoi and, like, Miyamoto and all that, like, right, you know, right in the headquarters, you know. Just cool. Yeah, that's that just small thing was a good way to, I mean, how else do you get, like, sort of a startup thing to look, at, you know, a big company to look at a startup place like that? It's just doing what they did, which I guess they thought was impossible, so, or, you know, which just hadn't been done. It's just, it's just cool. It's an interesting way that they got their foot in there. But is that is that the same article that says that, or I think even maybe Miyamoto said it, Nintendo was more like, they were like the directors of the game, but the actual coding and like how the game worked was all the Argonauts guys and like how yeah, they were. They ba- yeah, Nintendo came up with the char- came up with the characters and they basically Install. made, made it work. Yeah. But yeah, but that's, the, that's what happened basically was they, after they showed them that, that demo and all that, you know, they pretty much, the, the, the guys that they showed them to like called up, you know, called up the Japanese guys and they talked about it and they pretty much flew them out there to meet with the, meet with the president. And, but it got to the point, yeah, where they were just, Miyamoto was just like throwing ideas at him like how he normally would. And they just kind of found ways to make it work. You know, they like came up with the characters, 
you know, wanted them to be, they wanted to be animals. They didn't want it to be like a regular realistic thing. They wanted to be a more like more Nintendo type thing. But yeah, it was kind of like, you know, we want this, make it work, you know? <laughs> and that was because they were so, you know, advanced and, uh, tech and, you know, technologically, they knew how to do all this stuff that wasn't even really heard of. That was like how they, you know, they thought they were a valuable thing. And I guess at the same time, Nintendo wanted to work, uh, wanted to want, was really open to working with, uh, people from other countries and that type of thing. So they wanted to try to get that to work like a, the partnership. Yeah. And I guess like when, uh, they first met with Nintendo or whatever, and then they, you know, they talked about the chip, the chip they were going to build. Like it wasn't even like a real thing yet. They just were like, we'll build this chip that'll make this game work on the Super Nintendo. Don't worry about it. And, uh, yeah, they, and like yeah, they, they went they, back to Europe. Or they went back to England and they just basically like got a hold of like all the dudes and dudettes or whatever that had like worked on all the like crazy homebrew stuff that was happening. Yeah, everybody who knew, then. yeah, who knew how to do the, yeah, who could knew how to do the crazy advanced stuff. Where they were like, yeah, pushing the limitations of the available hardware they had and you know making it do things. That, yeah, and that's what they did. They made something do something that wasn't built to do you know that the super nintendo wasn't built to output three like fully 3d graphics but they were able to offload that onto that gpu well uh, I, mean, apparently, I, again, I don't understand it but they, they did it it's awesome sure yeah they um i guess uh they they push i mean they were pushing it on them originally like the idea of the fx chip because because they did um they they basically had that nes glider game that they made they made a 3d game for nes and then port and then kind of ported it to super nintendo just to show them what they could do and they're like this is what you can do with the hardware right now but we can make this chip that's could be in the game that'll do more pretty much so yeah they like what you're saying like they proposed like this will do like 100 times better well i think they even like undershot it they were like this will do 10 times better and then it did like 100 times better yeah, but they but they weren't even sure if they could do ten times better. Like when they said that, you know, but they were just kind of doing a ballpark. Yeah, they they flew them j- to Japan because they wanted to like work closely with them. And I and at that time, like the only really way they could talk to each other, like there's no emails or anything. But aside from like calling and like language barriers, would be like a fax machine. And I guess they didn't want to do that, you know. And plus, there's like an eight hour difference, I believe, between like the between the countries. So yeah, it's just thought it was interesting that they just flew them right in to Japan to just like bring them right into the heart of it. So they can actually, and I'm sure it had to do with like secrecy as well, like how much Nintendo is very much tight-lipped about everything. That's cool. I mean, those guys must have been like it's like the top, the top of the world there to get flown into like such a huge company and get to work directly with them. I can't even imagine, man, because Nintendo was you know infamous for keeping everything within their company. Like they didn't like to outsource things. So to bring another company in like that, and a company that had been really ballsy and like it kind of like made it like you know pretty much like made a scene a little bit to get noticed, you know by circumventing copyright protection to get noticed that way and then like be brought in with open arms into the company and like you said like a lot of those folks ended up working for nintendo as their job from then on yeah sure that that, was, that is the dream yeah that was that guy that same guy who was salty about it was like oh they took like three of my members it's like but but they you know they brought them to japan and they, why not just work for the company you know if it's if it's possible i, I don't know I they, they were in the heart of what they wanted to do but um yeah i guess they made i guess they made a deal like they were making a deal with them for like three games they wanted to make they wanted to make three games which you know they only ended up making two but uh you know we'll get into we'll get into the third one later but um i guess they originally flew them in for like four what was it like four weeks? They're like, oh, stay for four weeks, and that ended up being like three months, and then ended up being another three months, and it ended up being like you have to stay here till the game's finished, pretty much, you know. So that's just crazy. Like I, I mean, I'm just 
trying to imagine like just being whisked away to just work with like the main like you know the main heads like like i said like gunpa yokoi and like miyamoto and like all the all the dudes that were huge at the time were all just there you know speaking directly to them it's amazing yeah and then the article like one of the guys was talking i can't remember which guy it was speaking at the time but he was just like you know we were living back home and in, in a home with like uh 12 people living there like you know people that just like to program like that's what they like to do so they like program all day and then like sleep like all in the same house you know because they couldn't afford so to like go from that to being like put up in a really nice hotel in tokyo and meeting with like the top names in the video game industry like that's just like such a rags to riches story it's such a nice story too bad it ended well it ended a little salty i guess they felt like they one particular member said that he felt like nintendo had like chewed them up and spit them out you know pretty much like took them got you know got what they needed from them and then just moved on which you know that's kind of one one opinion versus another i mean i I don't really know like mostly what we read in the article was one-sided from argonaut but well exactly and like the full story is there's so many more things happening in the full story and i mean you know obviously we got this great game out of it so for us the consumer all this like all the stuff that was happening behind the scenes turned out for the better sure i mean yeah and then we got a great franchise out of it and uh i mean we'll get into it more in the star fox 64 episode but i felt like star fox 64 was like the ultimate perfection on the first one you know the first one was like the rocky like start but i felt like after that they like just completely perfected it so if they did use their codes or whatever then you know more power to them maybe like uh the first mario brothers versus or you know super mario brothers versus like super mario brothers 3 or versus super mario brothers or Or super mario world or Super yeah. Mario World, more like I think, yeah, because Super Mario World like totally like did it exactly correct, but um, yeah, and it reinvented, but didn't stray too far from the path that made the game fun in the first place. Yeah, what they what was they said? Uh, they said like they felt like they were sort of hold. What did it say? Like they felt like Nintendo like took what they needed from them, but they also kind of felt like they held them back in a way, and they wish they would have allowed them to do more while they were there. But it's still like just I, I find it an incredibly interesting story. Some very some very ambitious guys that like started out really early. You know, like you know, like you were saying that one guy was eighteen like that's straight out of high school or whatever they call it over there college all of a sudden like kind of got the world like on a plate in front of you i believe i believe in uh, europe they call it university right (laughs) i think okay i I think i've heard them say that oh you you go to university or whatever i I think it's horrible horrible british british accent but i think college is like high school and then university it's college i think maybe i don't know Oh, that's just I've heard I've heard them say that like the university. It's I just thought of that when you said that, but yeah, that's the British term for whatever you do after whatever they call it there. Go to university. Yeah, I'm sure that such was, as yeah. University of Cambridge or I think the other was, ones. Yeah, it's used in some couple movies or whatever. Also, but Oxford. There we go. That's another one. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this uh, the um, I mean the Super FX chip that they made went on to went on to star in our last episode uh, Yoshi's Island which we mentioned so you know it became became a thing became a big thing I just can't yeah they they were the first ones to make a GPU which is uh which they you know totally patented everything like it was a it was a big thing back then so this is pure speculation but do you think maybe that's part of the reason Nintendo clung so hard to the cartridges for the next generation because they had because seen on the Super Nintendo you could add the GPU? stuff to the cartridges yeah you could add stuff to the cartridge itself to improve system performance incrementally they kind of did the same thing with the uh the ram pack or whatever you want to call it on the 64 i always uh i mean i was always of the uh belief that and i and i thought i read i mean i'm sure i read stuff about this in the 90s but 
they were very adamant about being against like the loading times and stuff like that is what they said even though they were going to make a cd system but that was their excuse that they that they said to the public of the cartridges was that they didn't want to deal with loading times which yeah playstation was plagued with loading times playstation one was you know and they well, wanted there's it, a lot less, they want everything uh, to be a lot quicker and and to their defense like 64 games were a lot quicker than playstation one games i don't think anything on playstation one was as fast as star fox 64 like for sure i still think like yeah and nintendo liked having their proprietary format that had to go through them like you still had to well yeah they wanted to control get everything. those cartridges through them to publish your game you couldn't just burn a disc like you could with the disc-based systems. Yeah, but it also kind of hurt them at the same time because just because cartridges were so expensive versus the disc. You know, I remember reading about that as well during that time. Oh, like exponentially more expensive? I mean, like development. Development on cartridges was, was more expensive than developing on discs. Oh, even development, yeah. And, and like, and yeah, and like making them as well, like instructing them, you know, like was, was more expensive, you know, and especially if you want to use like a, you know, carts with like higher mags or whatever, which they did for some of them, you know, that was even more expensive. So it's basically, it was hard to like take, take a gamble on it. You kind of wanted to make something that was guaranteed to sell. But as a collector, you know, now looking back, the cartridge is like the, the, the vinyl, the LP versus the like CD. Yeah. You know, so I, collectible wise, you want the cartridge, like the cartridges are great things to collect. Oh, sure. And, and, and that's what's big right now. Like, uh, 64s are huge right now. Like 64, Systems have just gone up, and like and like cartridges are big now, like sixty four cartridges in particular. So I don't know. It's it's from, what, from what I saw at the show, I wasn't really looking for like PlayStation stuff, but I didn't see a whole lot of PlayStation One stuff there. I mean, I saw a little bit, but it seemed like it seemed like the Nintendo stuff were kind of more prominently displayed. I guess. I mean, I guess a lot of retro people maybe cling to that more. I don't know. I mean, there were like a couple like Xbox and PlayStation Two games, but I feel like there was a well, large. large I feel like there was a more. Oh yeah, it is. But I mean, I felt like there was a up larger until like ninety five. Things were cartridges, really. Yeah. I felt like there was a large, larger amount of Nintendo stuff there. Right, because they dominated that gamescape when it was the plastic cartridge. Did you, uh, did you play Stunt Race FX at all? <laughs> like, on a complete side note of, Arg- of Argonaut's other game. Uh, yeah, I remember, I, I remember. My cousin had it. My cousin Rob had it. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I rented it. Like, I remember we, re- like I said, we rented everything back then, but I remember renting it. And, uh, it was no Star Fox for sure, but, uh, you know, I played it enough, I guess. I remember it, I remember when it starts and does the, uh, when the Nintendo comes up, it's like a horn. It goes at the beginning. I remember that. I remember that part of it. And I remember it was like, you know, the cars looking kind of, they had like eyes and stuff. And Yeah, man. This was like Disney's cars before Disney's cars. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, I remember that being fun for what it was, I guess. But And wasn't there, I think there was advertisement for Nintendo games like on the walls, like when you raced around. I know there were Star Fox advertisements in the game. I remember that, which kind, of, which they you could say they kind of stole from Mario Kart sixty four too, because they sort of do that in that game. Yeah, the frame rate was terrible in that game. That yeah, game frame rate was rough. I remember that. Really hard to play. <laughs> yeah, very but, uh, hard to play. It, lo- it looks good if you like blink a lot. Looks cool, but looks cool, but yeah, I, I had a I had a really hard time playing with it. It was super slow, and uh, yeah, it was. I think it had replays, and those were cool. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I remember that. You could do the rewinds and the replays. That was cool. The uh, my my favorite hockey game, uh, Stanley Cup on uh, Super Nintendo, had replays in it also, which is pretty bad, pretty badass. But uh, yeah, I don't think I ever played that game on any serious level. I just like fucked around with it a little bit. It's not Race FX. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, it looked cool, and it was, you know, like you said, it was anthropomorphized vehicles driving around and fully 3d environment 
moving really, really slow. Yeah. It's still it's just, kind of bouncing around like monster trucks. So that was cool. Yeah. It's still just hard to think of it in the same group as something as beautiful as like Star Fox. But, you know, it's similar, similar, the chip and all that. Because it's not really anywhere near Star Fox, you know, with the depth no. and the fun or just how well it works. And the polish. There's a, there's just not that level of polish mm-hmm. that you get from first-party Nintendo games because they don't release that stuff until they're like absolutely certain that it's ready yeah it didn't seem yeah it didn't seem that they put as much into it which i don't which i don't know i didn't look at the story of that i'm sure that's a whole nother thing is uh is stunt race fx that may have gotten rushed you know or something along those lines where it wasn't you know actually a consumer ready product but it had to be done so it was so after like the after the success of Star Fox, i know like argonauts they you know they were paid pretty well but i guess you know they had a exclusivity um contract so they couldn't really go outside of the nintendo stuff and i guess their relationship pretty much ended sort of you know in a sort of in a sour way with uh star fox 2 which uh wasn't which wasn't which wasn't released for whatever reason but you know what that game was hyped up a lot and i remember that because i was seeing pictures of it everywhere oh yeah i remember seeing stuff in nintendo power about it and like they were promising you know because everyone loves star fox but anyone who had played it for a while would say the same thing they'd be like well I wish you could just like keep going left and then turn around completely and go backwards. Like, why can't I do that? Like, why do I have to keep going forward all the time? And so, Star Fox Two promised, yeah, it promised the all range mode, the the fully three D levels, which were in the original ROM that hasn't been released. But we can get into that a little more late later. But uh, they certainly they certainly were willing to push the limits of what they'd already done and do even better. It's what they were trying. Yeah, I guess that's like another thing they were salty about was uh, that they, they claimed that uh, a lot of the stuff from Star Fox 2, which was canned for whatever reason it was. I, I read somewhere that Miyamoto said that he felt like it was that due to what else had come out that it was too, uh, that it was too archaic and also probably had to do with them pushing onto the 64 as well. Apparently they the guys who developed it weren't, weren't very happy that it wasn't released and thought that some of it was used in later games but they didn't get any credit for it so that adds to the negativity of the of the split between the two companies but did you did you read did you read that they had made apparently they made a um, virtual boy headset or a virtual reality headset that was better than the virtual boy well it I saw was, that in the article but it was yeah. all text there was nothing to prove that maybe conceptually they had an idea for a sure. VR headset but well, they so did they, say in the article that it had head tracking and all this other stuff yeah, they said that they made a supervisor that was uh, that was that had full color and head tracking and 3D texture mapping, but it was eventually canned, like in to go with the Virtual Boy, which it, that was probably a price thing, also as well. And I'm sure like stuff like that was just too just would have been too crazy expensive at the time. But I believe it. I mean, they were so I mean they were so techno- technologically advanced at that time that I I wouldn't put it past them to have made something like that. If I saw like you know even like a concept model or something, it was just someone talking about it within the article. That's why I'm like, well, that's cool, but you know, well, yeah, I'm sure it's it was the kind a- of thing I'd like to see a picture of because you know, yes, the Virtual Boy sucked or whatever, but. <laughs> it's a real thing it was you know? and i check it out i mean it was like i i feel like they might have had you know they, i'm sure they had ideas or they had stuff they had tested that worked but yeah i don't know if it actually has a version of it what do you uh <laughs> what do you think about this whole uh croc thing that's in there apparently supposedly they made a uh 3d a 3d platformer with yoshi in it that they were going to do and i guess nintendo didn't want them to do that because it was using their main characters and i guess that was another reason another you know, part of part of the end of the relationship. I've heard talk of this before in other podcasts, 
about a croc claiming that it like you know basically started all of the stuff that was in Super Mario 64 and all that. I don't know if that you it was played like that game or not. true like 3D platformer and that yeah. if they wouldn't have said something to Nintendo about it while they were hanging out, like Nintendo never would have thought of it. That's what yeah, I mean. yeah, that type of thing that they were the original part of it. I don't know. I never played the game, but I just thought and I found that it supposedly fun. even Miyamoto came up to one of them like like in confidence and was like, "Hey, thanks for that idea for the 3D platformer. That was a good idea." Oh yeah, something like that. I don't know. I mean, it's it's, it's kind of hearsay on this, like as to whether you know what they say versus what Nintendo says. But you never know. I mean, we can't we can't really be. You the don't know. Of it. I mean, there's so much happening like on a day to day basis. Like surely there's shit talking. Surely there's people like. You know, on a day-to-day level while they're working together, they're like, well, we could do this better than the way you're doing it if you yeah. just let us. I mean, I have a, I have a friend that claims that he came up with the idea for Wreck-It Ralph because he was, because he said some idea that he had like within the vicinity of the people from like that company because he used to work for a TV station that interviewed them. You know, I mean, anybody could say that, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, and you have no way to prove know. if you were like the muse or if uh, it was one of those cases where someone else had the same idea and they had better resources than you did. Sure. I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's hard. It's it's hard for me to say that like that Star that Star Super Mario sixty four was like borrowed from anything just because of the immense immense talent and like unending like creativity of Miyamoto. Like I don't think you know I wouldn't I would never like downplay him and say that he couldn't do something as amazing as Super Mario sixty four. You know that just seems. But I mean, sure there was it might have been the idea of a three D platformer maybe, but I don't know. They have so many ideas there that it's. It's just whatever's you know whatever behind behind closed doors, which I guess we'll we'll never really we'll never really find out. Well, I guess uh, one thing that was said by uh, that Cuthbert guy was that the uh, the camera tracking, like the 3D camera in uh, Mario 64, a lot of the code for that was from Star Fox 2, supposedly. Oh, I don't sure. know. I don't know how that translates to. It, it wasn't from entirely Cry. new console. <laughs> no, he didn't even say that. Like, yeah, sure. But that it had something to do with like the all range mode and how the camera worked and that. We'll never know, I mean, unless someday that's released and we can play Star Fox 2, which supposedly has been. It's another one of those games that was ready to be released and it just never was. It had been yeah. like finalized. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess we'll never know. It would be cool if they would could come to some sort of agreement and Star Fox 2 would eventually get released, but I was I was trying to figure out if that was like a reason why like Ryoshi's Island or like Star Fox Networks released to um to virtual console like I mentioned in the last episode that maybe there was some sort of copyright dispute on the uh, FX chip and from reading this article now it makes it look like maybe there is some bad blood between them and maybe I don't know I don't know and if that had ever been put into the console it might have been better for Nintendo oh sure yeah I wish it would have been in the in the console that would have been a whole different generation because then third parties could have used it a lot easier you know and then they would, would have been, had a new version uh, SNES and Japan they would have had to to compete with the new version in the US but then but or then not game, to compete but to like release the same game but then game but then such classics like Noah's like Noah's Ark 3D and Wolfenstein would be much better looking games <laughs> they had it in they there they would you know, or like Doom that was on Super Nintendo, which another, you know, stuff like that. That just couldn't really work with what it had. It would have been a whole different thing, you know, if, if that FX chip was in there. And I guess, uh, yeah, they also, like we mentioned it, I think, we claimed that a lot of stuff uh, from Star Fox 2 was used in Star Fox 64. I don't know how much, I don't know how much that was or if it was, but I guess that would be another topic for uh, for our next for our next episode on Star Fox 64, I think so, which we'll do next there, week. There were a lot of claims made that we'd have to get into a little more, I think. Wasn't there other stuff from that game that was possibly used in another Star Fox game, like Star Fox 2? Yeah, the uh, there was an overworld sort of map that moved in quasi-real time, and uh, 
essentially you were kind of like moving along a path, almost like a strategy game, RTS a little bit. And uh, you were fighting battles, but in the meantime, you were protecting Corneria, which had a life meter. So, you know, you you couldn't let it take too many hits or the game would be over. So supposedly sometimes you would have to even leave a battle you were in, abandon the battle and go back and defend planet. And I guess some stuff like that got used in uh, Star Fox Command a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, it sounds about right. But when, uh, we, yeah, on the, on next week's, we'll get into, we'll get into Star Fox 64 and some of the sequels. We'll touch on some of them. Def, definitely Command and Assault to a point. But yeah, that's cool. I didn't, I didn't really know that. And I, and I like Command. I enjoyed, yeah, I enjoyed that game. It's one of the more polarizing of the Star Fox games from my research. I haven't played it, but, well, you know, it's, some, it's, some people don't like the dumbing down of the combat or whatever. Uh, I mean, well, it's, it's different. I don't know if it's necessarily dumbed down. I think they didn't like that. It's different that like the levels are shorter and they're just like specific things. I kind of like the change of pace for it. I like the strategy stuff to it. Plus it has like 12 different endings. I mean, what's, what's not to like about that? Like it's very replayable. You know, you get a lot of, you get a lot of stuff out of it. Well, supposedly that's what they were trying to do with Star Fox too. So, well, I'd, I'd love to see it. You know, if we get a hold of a ROM at some point, is there uh is there anything else that we left out about the Star Fox game or do you want to wrap it up here? I don't think so. I mean, we didn't talk about it in explicit detail about the story or anything, but I think everyone knows that by now it's kind of recycled to a certain extent in each game. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I really look forward to zero, man. I'm, I can't wait. It's about what? 10 days away, nine days away. Yeah. Like technically like eight days away, I guess. Yeah. Cause it's 14th. So it's a, it's a, it's a week from this Friday. So it's, it's not, it's not too far away. I'm super pumped about it. I, like I said, I've heard that it, that it, uh, controls well once you figure it out. So, and, and, and replaying, like I played, like I played, uh, I played through like Star Fox 64 3D earlier, like on one of the paths and I played the, Super Nintendo one all the way through. And while I was playing Star Fox 64, I kind of found it like a little difficult to aim with my ship being in front of the reticule. So I kind of, that kind of makes sense to me, like for the separate aiming thing. So hopefully it works, works well. I'm really excited to see how they use the gamepad because it's supposed to be one of the, one of the games that showcases the gamepad and it's being yeah. released this late into the life cycle. But that was one of the, that was one of the games that was always sort of like hyped up to work really well with this gamepad. That's what I'm looking forward to. And I, and I want to try out the motion controls. I guess it's sort of a, a version of Star Fox that didn't make it out for the Wii, which I thought once I played the WarioWare version of, of the, the, in WarioWare, there's a little boss battle where you play Star Fox Super Nintendo, like with the Wii remote. And it's tilt and it works great. And once I played that, I was like, there needs to be a Star Fox game. But then there wasn't. And I guess this is there kind was. of some of some of that. So. Yeah, I think they just they they're like they want this game to be great. It has to be. You can't need you, you don't need another stinker. Yeah, Star I, th- Fox I, th- universe. I think it. Ha- I mean, from what I've seen, from what I've heard of it. And from what I've heard about it, it seems like it'll be it'll be all right. I was thinking about maybe writing a review about it, but we'll we'll see. But anyway, to join us join us next week as we talk about Star Fox sixty four and the sequels, and more anticipation to the new game. We are your hosts, Trey and it's me, Jeremy Mikowski, and we'll see you next week. See you.